Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. Amen. Grab your Bibles or your devices. Y'all, I, I, uh, I just want to lay a little bit of a foundation for what it is we're going to do uh, for the next several weeks. Amen. I'm excited about what's going to happen. Amen. Uh, me and my wife even going to teach a little bit together. Amen. Amen. Um, and so I'm excited about, about that piece on relationships. I... Uh, want to be helpful um, today, um, but what I got to say is real clear, real plain. I'm going to go in depth next week uh, with this same subject, but I want to make sure I have a foundation. Uh, I want to make, uh, make sure we have a foundation for what we're trying to do this week. So I'm going to read uh, just a piece of a verse in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 and I'm going to read again uh, just a piece of a verse, just the second half of verse 11. Amen. And when you have it, say, I got it. If you're still looking, say, wait a minute. Scroll like you scrolling on Instagram. Most of y'all ain't got no Bible. Y'all got a device. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, I'm reading for the New King James Version uh, of the Bible. It says, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Pastor Josh, I thought you were preaching about relationships. I am. I've learned in whatever state, status, condition, relationship type I'm in to be content. Amen. I want to preach for a little while uh, using as a subject set up for failure. Amen. Set up for failure. Father, thank you for this time. Help us now to preach your word in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So typically when I approach this topic of relationships, I have to give this disclaimer, right? Because the way we do relationships now as a people in this century, in this day and time, our culture, there is no biblical paradigm for how we do relationships, right? There is no biblical paradigm for how to date, how to choose which person you date, how many dates you should go on before you decide to get married. There is really no biblical paradigm for relationships. How many of y'all read your Bible enough to know that? Right. You can't turn to the book, chapter and verse about how to pick your boyfriend or how to pick your girlfriend or how to pick your bridesmaids or how to pick your children's godparents. All of those things were assumed in the biblical time because your parents, somebody say parents, chose who you would be with forever. It was up to your parents to know you well enough and to have, a, to have an understanding of your purpose well enough to where they would be able to choose the person that you would spend your life with, right? And then you would spend your life with that person, not based on your choice, 
but based on the choice of someone who knew what was best for you. Right. So even though now in this culture, we no longer subscribe to arranged marriages. We still understand that there are biblical principles for healthy relationships. And the truth of the matter is many of us are unsuccessful in relationships because we fail to understand the purpose for our relationships. Whether we are married or whether we are single, we have not really grasped the reason God puts us in relationships. Somebody say amen. See, we think that when we're dating, that singleness is to prepare us for marriage. And we think that marriage is designed to make us happy. See, we think that when we're single, we're supposed to be dating and practicing being a wife, practicing being a husband, practice playing house, practice how we cook, practice how we provide and dating. We're supposed to show them pictures of how qualified we are to play the role that we want. We treat dating like it's an audition. And so therefore, we mismanage the purpose of our season of singleness. And because we think that marriage is designed to make us happy, we pick the wrong spouses and then want to leave them when the marriage no longer makes us happy. Because we don't understand that marriage is not designed to make you happy. Singleness is not designed to prepare you for marriage. Singleness is an assignment and marriage is an assignment. So you don't jump into marriage because you're tired of being single. That's like you run track, right? Anybody ever seen track, ran track? It's like, I'm tired of running the 100, so I'm going to jump into the 400 meter. Marriage is not a break or a reprieve from singleness. And you don't know how qualified you are for being married by how good of a girlfriend or a boyfriend you are. Because God has not ordained that relationship. So you can't practice for something God ordained by doing something that's not God ordained. Are you listening to me? So the first thing you need to understand, I'm just going to talk to you for a second, then we're going to get up out of here. Uh, first thing you need to understand is whether you are single or whether you are married, you are on assignment. Somebody say on assignment. on assignment. Yeah, whether you are single or whether you are married, you are on assignment. And the goal of singleness is not marriage, it's ministry. Y'all missed that. I know y'all were to get up out of here now. The goal of singleness is not for you to get married. That's not the finish line. Single people should not be looking at marriage like, oh, when I finally get married, everything going to be good. Yeah. Marriage is not the goal for singleness. Ministry is. I know you think I'm lying. Uh, I don't got time uh, to give it to you like I want today. But 2 Corinthians chapter 7, I'm going to go there next week. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul says, verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, he said, I'd rather if you are single, you remain single so that you can serve the Lord. But the married person has divided loyalties for the husband no longer seeks to please himself and the Lord, but he lives to please his wife. Likewise, the wife no longer lives to please herself and the Lord, but she lives to please her husband. Verse 33, at the very end of the chapter, he says, I'm not saying don't get married, but with marriage comes many troubles. That's the book. And I'm trying to spare you from this by telling you to remain single. That's what Paul says. 
Paul says your singleness is your opportunity to serve the Lord. Why is this important, Pastor Josh? It's important because if you are a Christian, how many Christians we got in the house? If you are a Christian, then your first marriage is to God. If you are a believer, if you've been blood bought, if you celebrate the blood, if you took communion today and you are not married legally to another man or a woman, if you are not married, then your marriage now, you are married now to the Lord. That's why it's hard for me to marry two fornicators. Because if you cheating on Jesus, y'all going to cheat on each other. That's why it's difficult for me to marry people who shacking up. I ain't saying I won't do it, but we got to have a talk. We got to understand some stuff. Church that messed up a lot of houses because we tell dudes to move out, but we ain't got nowhere to put them. So before we get married, we got to have conversation. Pastor Josh got to holler at you. Make sure you understand what's up. Because you do understand that the reason why you feel the thrill of having sex with somebody you're not married to is because demons is hopping in the bed with you, right? So the only way to feel the thrill of having sex that, with someone that you're not married to when you get married is to have sex with someone that you're not married to. So fornication brings a spirit of infidelity into your marriage. And if you won't, if you won't do right by Jesus, you ain't going to do right by your spouse. The first relationship that you have is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing that Christ allows to come before ministry is your marriage. Not your boyfriend, not your girlfriend, not your fiance, not your children. The only thing that comes before ministry is marriage. And we misappropriate our singleness by wasting it auditioning for a role that God has already ordained. If the person is for you, then they're going to be for you if you're working in ministry. But if working in ministry drives you apart from the person that you are dating, then they're not the one for you. Because you know for a fact, you don't know if you've been called to that person. You know that God has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You don't know if you've been called to that person, but you know that God has called you to serve in his church. And in case you didn't know, now you know that you're not here to serve yourself. When Christ saves you, he does not save you for yourself. When Christ redeems you, he does not redeem you for yourself. He redeems you. He gave his life so that you can give your life to him in exchange for sacrifice. So if you're not using your singleness to impact the kingdom, then you're wasting your time. I don't care how many people you mentoring. I don't care how well your vlog is going. Care how much money you give to charity. I don't care what you're doing. If you're not impacting the kingdom, the kingdom is impacted through the church. Yeah. You can't get to God without Jesus. You can't get to Jesus without his church, big C, and you can't be submitted to the church without the local church, small C, and you can't be submitted to the local church without obeying the leadership of the local church. Every authority has some authority that it is subject to. And the reason why most of y'all have no authority in your house is because you haven't gotten under the covering that God wants you to get under. 
You mad because your wife tripping, your kids are rebellious, everything in your house is out of order, but then you want to come at 9, 10 when you know church started 9, 04, we already give you four minutes of grace. You hear what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I'm not trying to preach to you. I might like preach, teach it, but it's, it's, this is practical stuff. See, most of us are set up for failure. Here's my thesis. This is my big idea, Mike. Most of us are set up for failure. Because we don't know how to honor the first relationship that God has put us in. Whether you are married or single, you are in a relationship before you encounter your significant other. And your stewardship of that first relationship determines whether or not you're going to be able to handle any other relationship. That's why I get nervous when people who can't come to church on time talking about they're ready to get married. To do what? If, if, if the Lord God is the one that saved your life, rescued you from destruction, picked you up when you were hurting, saved your soul, and you won't show up for him, how are you going to show up when you get married? And see, here is my fear now for my generation. Can I be honest? Um... My fear for my generation is we won't show up for God, but then we'll show up for a person. But what does that say about our relationship with God? Boy, we'll get irritated. Pastor asks you for something. Your neck start itching when he collecting the offering. He starts talking about serving. You sucking your teeth. But then this ignorant person that you dating that's taking up all your time, don't even know Jesus. They ask you for one thing and you give it to them. Who is your God? First commandment, right? Y'all do realize theologically we don't throw out the Ten Commandments. We just temper them with the grace of the gospel, right? So God's intention in the Ten Commandments is still true, right? So number one, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. But many of us have idols, not just in our relationships, the people that we're with, but with our relational aspirations. Our desire. Some of us ain't even got nobody and we still tripping. Because your desire for relationship is too strong. You've made an idol out of the desire. So you're spending time preparing yourself and trying to get yourself ready for something you might not even in actuality be called to. Because how many of y'all know that marriage is also an assignment? Matthew 6. Jesus said, if you're not ready to grow into the largeness of marriage, it's the Peterson translation, the message Bible, y'all call it. He said, if you're not ready to grow into the largeness of marriage, don't do it. You got to be big to be married. God help me. Because just like the goal of singleness is not marriage, it's ministry. The goal of marriage is not happiness, it's holiness. God help me. God calls you to marriage not so that you can be happy. He calls you to marriage so that you can be holy. But too many of us are getting married because we lonely, because we got lust problems. We don't know how to control our flesh. Look, if you don't know how to control your flesh, the answer for that is not marriage, it's a fast. If you lonely, hear me good. The answer for that is not marriage, it's Christian community. It's small groups. 
It's Bible study. That's the book. You don't get married because you lonely, because you want a friend. Get you some friends. You want somebody to talk to, get a pen pal. But when you're looking to get married, hear me good. When you're looking to get married, you need to be looking for somebody that can help make you more like Jesus. God, help me. Oh, God, see, see, can I, can I be real? I, this is a few weeks down the line, but I, I just want to give it to you now so that when I say it, don't bust you in the mouth this hard, okay? Marriage is a biblical tool of sanctification. Sanctification, hear me good. Sanctification is the process by which the Holy Spirit takes us and conforms us into the image of Christ Jesus. So marriage is on a list, biblically, Mike, of tools of sanctification. What else is on the list of tools of sanctification? Persecution, famine, flood, imprisonment, beaten. That's what Paul says. And then at the end of that list, he says, if you really want to be like Jesus, after you've been persecuted, after you've gone through famine, after you've been talked about, after you've been scandalized, if you really want to be like Jesus, after that, get married. Because marriage is going to make you, it's going to force you to become like Jesus. <laughs> so then for the Christian, hear me now. Marriage is not just about love. Love is not the point of marriage. Being the image bearer of God in the earth realm is the point of marriage. When you sign up to get married, you are agreeing to be a picture of the love of Christ and his church in the earth. <clears throat> How many of y'all seen Aquaman? The movie Aquaman? Saying marriage is about love is like saying the movie Aquaman is about the water. It's water in the movie. Water couldn't, the movie couldn't go the way it went without water. But water is not the point of the picture. Love is not the point of marriage. Love is an outcome of marriage. God help me. Because love is not, a, not an emotion, it is a decision. You wake up every day and decide to love. Even when the person is unlovable. Even when you want to call it quits. Even when you don't want to be there anymore. Marriage said, I got to get up and work this thing out. Yeah. Now, let me help you with something else. Marriage is an assignment. Everybody say assignment. assignment. Singleness is an assignment. Okay. There is no in between. You are either married or you are single. Ain't no in between. You are either married. Amen. Or you're single. I don't care how long y'all been dating. I don't care how long y'all been exclusive. I don't care how many kids y'all got together. Hello. If y'all are not married, y'all are single. And you are, there is no in between. And I want to help you with this now. Because God does not give grace for the in between. Grace, I'm not talking about mercy. I'm not talking about you living under a curse. Right. Grace is the divine enablement of God to accomplish the task that he's called you to. God does not apply grace to the in-between. So if you dating real hard and it's going well, it's going well because of your flesh. You're doing that in your own power. If you shacking and it's going well, it's going well because of your own power. But you understand whatever you do in your own power, you got to maintain in your own power.
And ask me how I know. Because you'll be dating somebody for a minute, ladies, and it'll be going well. Y'all will take all the family pictures y'all want. You'll give him a key to your crib. He'll slowly move in. Next thing you know, y'all living together. He done canceled his lease, so now he ain't got nowhere to go. And then when y'all living together, y'all start doing married people stuff. Right? And so five years later, you want to issue an ultimatum talking about some, what are we? We a good arrangement. That's what we are. The fact that you get tired of not having a title lets you know that God has ordained the union of marriage. You wouldn't issue an ultimatum for something you didn't feel like you was entitled to. But the only way that you can get what you're entitled to is by waiting until God gives you what you're entitled to. You can't try to manipulate your way into it. You can't try to make them guilt them into it. Fellas, everybody got to start setting boundaries because it's easy, right? For ladies, it's a little bit easier for you. I'm going to be honest with you. It's easier to set boundaries because all y'all can say is, uh, you're not, this, this is the bedroom line. You ain't coming across this line until we get married. Boom, boundary set. Brother start working hard, getting fresh haircuts, going to the gym. Getting his credit right because he know I want to cross that line. I'm trying to go in the room. But for fellas, it's a little bit harder, right? It's harder to set boundaries for men because you want what she told you you can't have. So what do you tell her she can't have? And you feel like you auditioning. So dang, now uh, <laughs> uh, I can't cross that line, but I'm going to pay for dinner. I'm going to use up all my gas. I'm a caller every day when I go out with my fellas like she my wife. I'm 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 a go home early to make sure that I meet my curfew that I ain't got. <laughs> you start behaving like a husband, but she didn't already set the boundary and told you you can't cross the wife line. Everybody, hear me, needs boundaries. And fellas, let me help y'all. The way you do it, because I don't want you tripping and messing up your relationship, so let me help you. Every now and then, you got to let them know that what you're doing for them, if you're accountable to them, if you're telling them where you are, if you buy in dinner, if you're doing all this stuff, do it. Get it how you live, pimp. But every now and then, you got to remind them that some of this stuff is wife privileges. A trailer don't last as long as a full movie. You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> every now and then, when I show up, I'm going to be like, you good? You got yours? Because you need to understand that pay for every meal is a wife privilege. Now, I've been married for a minute now. It's, it's almost been a decade. I, I, I got this thing down, and I'm trying to help some single brothers. Because you, you pay for dinner the whole relationship, then you get married, and you still, because when you're married, ain't no question. Your wife can have a whole job and her own check. But can I tell y'all something? Let me, let me put y'all in my business, because y'all ain't going to be honest in the church house. My wife's money don't touch a bill in my house. She be looking for me. I be like, babe, I'm hungry. She be like, oh, what you gonna get to eat? Yes. Just got paid. I'm sitting up here. I done just got out of a staff meeting, irritated, tipped the offering low. And my wife was like, oh, so what we eating? Praise God. She done about some, that's crazy. <laughs> Like, your wife do that? It's you. You the man, David. But when you get married, hear me, y'all. When you get married, there ain't no rewind button. 
There is no rewind button for marriage. The Bible don't talk about boyfriends paying for dates, but it does say that if a husband does not provide for his wife and his children, he's worse than an unbeliever. You can't go back. You sitting up in the house and letting her take care of you. The Bible says if you her husband, that's you in sin. But while you while you a boyfriend, you can go get your meal, go back to your house. Driving your car. I'm going to tell y'all something about being married. I'm going to help y'all. I want to help y'all. Look, I'm like Paul. I'm trying. I'm trying to help you. So picture me and my wife, as we often do, because we, we, we foodies like that. This is what we do. Uh, I thought I seen somebody just throw a ball at the pulpit. <laughs> somebody got angry. Stop talking about my mama. Was that my son? Oh, my son's asleep. That's your son. Amen. But picture this. Me and my wife, we go out to eat, right? We do this all the time. Um, we go to this restaurant we like. We call it the French Pantry. You know, we go to French Pantry. We eat lunch there. And say we get into an argument at the restaurant. We marry, right? She off. We drove to the restaurant together. So, Kay, we arguing in the restaurant. Get the check because now we don't want to eat because we mad. Get in the car. Argue on the way to the car. Get in the car. Argue on the way to go get the kids. Kids have sleep because it's nap time. We picked them up. We got to be quiet, arguing while we putting the kids in the car. Fake smile to the baby. Said, oh, thank you. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Yes, thank you so much for watching our kids. Get off me. Don't touch me. Get off, get off, get off. Then you got to put the kids in the car and try to whisper while you're arguing because you don't want to wake your kids up from a nap because once you wake them up from a nap, they up for the rest of the day. So you got to whisper and argue. And then when you get home, you got to put them in the bed. And then when you get done, put them in bed. You song to them, read the book to them, turn on the rain sounds for them, and then go in the living room and try to finish the argument quietly before you go to bed because you can't let the sun go down on your wrath because black folk crazy. And if you go to bed with a black woman angry at you, you liable to wake up burned, beaten, bitten, cut. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I'm trying to help y'all now. But when you're single, I yada basha. You can argue in the restaurant and get in your own car. Ain't got no kids together because y'all single and sanctified, right? You can get in the car, drive to your own house, get in your own bed, shut your own door. God, y'all ain't helping me here. You can do that on your own because you're single. When you're married, you got to work it out. Y'all see what I'm talking about? We got people, man, me and my wife, we talk about this stuff all the time. That's why uh, we're going to do, in this series, y'all got to keep coming. I ain't even going to tell y'all when we do it. Y'all got to do it. Y'all got to come every week because y'all never know when we're going to do it. We're going to do it three times, though. We're going to sit on the couch up here, me and my wife, and we're going to talk to y'all like we talk to each other about y'all relationships. Y'all missed it. They didn't even hear what I said. We're going to sit up here and talk to y'all like we talk at home about the relationships y'all be in. And hopefully, <laughs> y'all can learn, right? Because there, there's only a few things, y'all, I'm done. <laughs> I got to quit. Uh, there's only a few things, y'all, that I'm anointed to do, right? Relationships is one of them. I didn't say my relationships were perfect because I learned a lot of the stuff I'm teaching y'all through pain, right? And how many of y'all know experience is not the best teacher? Obedience is. 
that there are some things that you don't have to experience if you learn to be obedient. And the way that you learn to be obedient, Paul says, I'm done. Paul says is through contentment. Okay. The secret to success in relationships is learning in whatever state you're in to be content. Paul says, look, he's talking about money, but the principle applies to any relationship, to any state of life, that if you learn how to be satisfied, then you'll be able to endure anything. How many of y'all have ever grown up and realized that some of the relationship problems you had in the past wasn't because of the other person, they were because of you? That if I learned how to be myself better, if I grew up, if I matured, if I stopped being so wishy-washy and temperamental and aggressive and passive aggressive, if I stopped looking out the window when I had something in the house. See, and the way you start being satisfied with your relationship with your significant other or your spouse is if you learn to be satisfied with God. Because satisfaction with God means accepting the reality that I am where God wants me to be in this season of my life. Regardless of how content or discontent you feel in your relationship, you got to understand that God is sovereign and you are where you are relationally because that's where God wants you to be. That's where he's placed you. That's where he's put you. And many of us can't be successful in relationships because we haven't learned how to be satisfied with God. Okay, so what are three things? I'm going to preach this next week. What are three things that prevent me from being content? If you take notes, if you're taking notes, three things that keep me from being content. The first thing that keeps me from being content, number one, is an inability to let go of the past. An inability to let go of the past. I cannot be content in the present if I can't let go of the past. I can't get what God want me to have right now. If I can't let go of what I missed out on or who left me, who hurt me or how good it was. Right. You got to live in the present. You got to live in the right now. And you got to be able to let that go. You can't do anything about your past, good or bad. If it's gone, you can't get it back until God wants you to have it. You got to learn how to let go of that thing and live where God wants you to be. Amen. Amen. Number two, unhealthy comparison keeps you from becoming content. We live in the social media generation. Unlike a, lot, unlike a lot of pastors, I'm not going to criticize social media. I believe it's a tool. I believe that preachers who criticize social media now in 20 years are going to be like preachers who criticized the Internet and live streaming 20 years ago. Oh, man, get them off that devil box. I ain't putting my sermon on that devil box. And now everybody want to stream live, even if you only got four people. Everybody trying to stream live. Your music bad. Your worship leader can't sing. Everybody going live. Band can't play. I praise God for y'all. 
Everybody going live. And the only reason I can talk about them, Dion, is because they went live. You see, we don't go live up in here. I don't want y'all to talk about me. But unhealthy comparison. We put our life out there for everybody to see and everybody else puts their highlights out for us to see. And because we know our life and we don't know their life, we compare what we see from them on Instagram to our reality, not knowing that when they're behind closed doors, they crying just as bad as we crying that they put on for the camera and for real life and for church. But when they get home, they're just as depressed and dejected as we are. But now we can't be happy with our spouse or with our significant other or with our singleness or with where we are because Everybody posting something and we feel like what they post is reality. But the Bible says what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. And we compare ourselves with folk we don't even know who have a calling and a grace on their life. Let me tell you all something. Anybody in here who's single and want to get married for real? Like you want to be married one day? Stop comparing your story with other married people's story that you know. Just because me and my wife got married fast, that don't mean you need to, don't need to take your time. There's a different grace on our lives than the grace that's on your life. That don't mean it's better, it's just different. God knew that he called me to a city of Jacksonville where we had to be a marriage that was worth modeling after because we got too many jacked up marriages and leadership up in here. And so some stuff that God saw me and my wife through, you ain't gonna make it through because your calling ain't the same as ours. Stop trying to copy people's story and do your thing. Take as much time as you need to take. Me and my wife, we can be honest and say we probably should have went a little bit slower. But God gave us grace because he knew y'all needed to see us. But you ain't got no calling like this on your life. Most of you do not. So there's no reason for you to try to rush into something. You got to learn how to be content where you are and stop comparing yourself with the people you admire. We rush too quick, man. YouTube will tell the story. Social media will tell the story. TMZ will tell the story. We start putting people up on pedestals. They start hosting relationship conferences and then you find out they got dirty clothes in their laundry. And now you don't want to hear them no more. You want to throw them away because of something that you heard. When you know the truth about yourself and you still listen to your own advice. Now, this, this, this messed me up. James, I never understood this my whole life, man. I never understood this, bro. I'm so glad y'all here, man. I, I'm glad my sister and brother here, my little niece here. I, I, look, people will throw away a pastor because they heard a rumor. But then still allow themselves to counsel themselves. And you know you trifling. You heard your pastor had some issues. But you know you trifling. And you don't want to listen to them no more. Unhealthy comparison. Right? Unhealthy comparison works on the affirmative. Like, ooh, I can be like them. And unhealthy comparison works on the negative. I can be better than them. You have no idea their story and who you're comparing yourself to. And that is the enemy of contentment. All right? So you got inability to let go of the past. Unhealthy comparisons, and then number three, and uh, I'm going to pray and get us out of here. Unhealthy anxiety about the future. Unhealthy anxiety about the future. I can't be content if I don't truly believe that God holds my future. 
Because if I don't trust the person that's in charge of it, let me help you all with leadership. If you always checking up on the person that's in charge of it, then you don't trust them to be in charge of it. So if you worried about your future and as a Christian, you say, God, hold your future. Then that means you really don't trust God to handle your future. And you've got to be able to trust God. Stop looking for a future that God ain't even sent to you yet. Single people manage your singleness right. Where are you serving at in ministry? Are you a tither? If you can't give to your first love, how are you going to be able to give to your second one? If you can't make room for God in your budget, how are you going to make room for your spouse and your kids in your budget? Where is your heart? Focus on the present. Work where you are. Men, can I talk to the brothers? Ain't enough of us in here. I'm praying that God send us some more brothers. But don't try to get married if you don't know who you are yet. Because the purpose of a wife is to be a helpmeet. And a woman can't help you if you don't know what you're doing. And the most frustrating thing to a helpful wife is a man with no vision. And if you're a strong black woman, which means you got a little bit of control in nature in you, if you marry a man with no vision, you're going to try to make him into the man you want him to be. But because God is sovereign and he always get his man, eventually that brother going to wake up and realize what he was called to do. And you're going to feel like he changed on you because you married a man with no purpose. If you ask a man what he's called to do and he can't tell you that he's not qualified to be your husband. You can't help somebody that don't know where they're going. GPS will take you right to your destination, but you at least got to know the address. You can help me with the route, but as a woman, you can't determine the destination. And you'll get frustrated because you'll be like, babe, why don't you try this? Babe, why don't you try that? Try this. Try that. And he'll get mad at you because you're telling him what to do, but you don't know what you're supposed to do. You have to find purpose. That's why we try to get you activated in ministry. It ain't because we need volunteers. It's because if you can't be useful to the church, you're going to be useless as a significant other. If you can't serve God, you can't love nobody. That's why your relationships is jacked up now. You put God second and think he going to bless on a relationship that you've turned into an idol before him and wonder why none of your relationships work out. It's because God has an obligation to tear idols down. And if you make your relationship an idol, God will tear that thing down. You are setting yourself up for failure every time you try to put something before God. God says that if you learn how to be content with me, then I will make sure that you have everything that you need. Matthew 6, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Stanley, can I tell you something? Fun fact, I'm, I'm, I'm like a, a, an aspiring Greek scholar, right? I figured like a couple years ago I would teach myself to read and write biblical Greek, right? And the Greek word for all means something very in, interesting in English. 
means all. Everything. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, anything else, all these things, all will be added unto you. But if you seek first those things, the God who controls those things will withhold all those things from you. Have you ever felt like you was climbing a corporate ladder, but you was getting looked over, couldn't find success? You thought you was good enough for a relationship, but wouldn't nobody talk to you? It's because you're seeking after the wrong thing. You got to seek after God and God will send somebody to find you. Oh, and another thing as, 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 I, as I close. When you start serving God and things start going right for you, you can play some Marcus. When you start serving God and things start going right for you and God sends you somebody that found you while you were serving the Lord and being obedient to him. Don't stop serving the Lord. But keep doing what got you to blessing is what's going to keep you blessed. So if you found a relationship while getting busy in ministry, don't let your relationship make you too busy for ministry. But continue to seek God. And God will give you everything that you need. How many of you believe that? Put your hands together for the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we give you praise and glory that you are the foundation for all of our relationships and that, Father, because of you, we've learned in whatever state we're in to be content. We give you praise, honor, and glory now. Help us, God. And, Father, bless the rest of this series. In Jesus' name.